Amen. I got, I got a message this morning, and the title of my message is, Our Future Designed by God's Promises. I've been in prayer this week, and, and a couple of things that the Lord has been sharing with me. And, um, well, I got a bunch of stuff. Anyway, uh, I went... I took all of that he'd been, all these little bits and pieces that he had been sharing with me all week, and I put it down to one thing. Basically, our future is formed by the promises that God has given us. Amen? So I, I did some studying, as I usually do. Do you know within 66 books of the Bible, this is the entire Bible, 66 books of the Bible, there are approximately 8,810 promises? I thought right there you'd say, wow. <laughs> I'll say that again. Maybe I went too fast this morning, but within 60, 66 books of the Bible, there are approximately 8,810 promises. Wow. That's, that's a little better. Work on it. <laughs> Come back next week. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But uh, I, I thought this is pretty cool. You know, God has taken his, this is the word of God, by the way. In this church, this is what we believe. This book, this from the beginning, I say it this way, from the index, from the table of contents to the maps, is God's word. His inspired word, and it's a word for us to follow. Praise the Lord. But this, this is so. So how many know? It's also called truth. One thing about truth: truth in itself uh, has all a heaven behind it. In other words, everything written in this book is true. Uh, I've heard people say, well, there's, there's, there's areas in there of, of, um, that, that contradict. No, there isn't. Not as many as there is in you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. There's uh, a contradiction. There's areas of not understanding, but as far as contradicting, it doesn't contradict. But the Word of God is the key principal thing. And I, I got thinking about all the years and stuff of preaching and different things I was doing, as I, I normally do, feeling more like a Caleb than I am you know, the next generation, but the, the fact is that this is all the years of going over different, uh, different things, and uh, God has never let us down in his word, and ever. I mean, his word is true. As we begin to take it, preach it, study it, and, uh, but I noticed this. I noticed that some of the things that God spoke to me even 20, 30 years ago are just now coming to pass. There's some things that God has said to me prophetically years and years ago, decades ago, uh, that are just now coming to pass. Uh, so basically what he gives us is the truth, though it, it may not uh, look like the truth at the time he gives it, but it's always the truth. Here's the thing, that uh, a lie always has within it demonic influence and power. Well, there's no power in a lie, actually. The truth has all God behind it. When there's a lie being spoken, the only thing, as we as believers, we come together, we can empower the lie and empower the liar. When we empower the lie, we empower the liar, plain and simple. But, uh, so, so there's, so, but the, God has the truth that we, which we uh, live and uphold. I shared a little bit last week, and, and this is another thing he's been putting on my heart. I mean, uh, Paul said it this way. He said in Romans chapter 12, he says, he says, um, he says, present your bodies a living sacrifice. He uses that word sacrifice, a living sacrifice. We're supposed to come to church dead, we're supposed to be alive. Amen. Amen. <laughs> but um, the, 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 a living sacrifice, present yourself a living sacrifice. I took that word sacrifice. And, and how many know a sacrifice is something that's going to cost us? Correct? Yeah. Uh, did it not cost Jesus everything? I mean, he sacrificed himself for us. 
Why? Because a sacrifice contains within it something that is more valuable on the other end. Amen? I, I used the example last week. Uh, I, I shared with my son, my, uh, uh, Eric. I said, we, when he was turned 12, I said, uh, you know, him and I went to get certified as scuba divers with certification. And he says, Dad, he says, because uh, uh, it was an expensive endeavor when you first get into that sport. It's very expensive. I shared that story and how he went around the neighborhood mowing the lawns so he could help do his part. Now, he was willing to make a sacrifice. Of course, we did too. We made sacrifices. Uh, how many's ever gone on vacation and they planned a vacation uh, uh, and they made sacrifices because they needed the money for the vacation? So they were willing to do without something because they saw the value at the other end. They saw it, they were willing to sacrifice or do without uh, uh, one thing because they saw more value in the other. Amen? Can I share with you this morning that Jesus is worth sacrificing anything we have to sacrifice? Yes. The value of Christ at the other end is much more valuable than anything we give up. Amen? Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. When the Lord came to me well, 30 some years ago, he says, I want you to. I had a church in, in uh, we were, uh, I planted a church in Boynton Beach, Florida, and then um, I, I was just getting some. You know, insight from the Lord. I said, I'm in the wrong place. This isn't it. Uh, there's only one, this about the worst thing in ministry is being in the wrong place where God has called you. Uh, I understood this when studying His Word that geographical location means everything. Do you remember when Jesus, when he, when he ascended into heaven, He gave what we call the Great Commission? And what did He tell His disciples? Very explicitly, what did He tell His disciples? Remain in Jerusalem. They weren't from Jerusalem. He said, but don't leave Jerusalem. He said, remain here in Jerusalem. And now what they what ended up doing is, is, of course, the day of Pentecost, we know in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost. Pentecost means 50. 50 is 50th day from Passover to Pentecost. So Jesus showed himself in the flesh, resurrected self, uh, for 40 days. Showed when I mean, he could walk through walls with his glorified body. It's cool. I wonder if we, we can do that. And we get our glorified bodies in heaven. We just walk through walls. And, yeah, probably, because he did it. Praise the Lord. Anyway, and he said, he says, but don't leave Jerusalem. He says, stay in Jerusalem. He says, tarry here. Now, how many know the geographical location was very important to listen to the Lord? Because basically, if they had been any place else, they would have missed it. Now, they were fishermen from Galilee. Hey, listen, Jesus, this is nice. It's been a good three and a half years. But the fact is, I got a business to run. Now, you're leaving, uh, uh, you know, there's no more miracles in fish. They could have said this. You know, I, I got I, I to get out of here. I, I got a business to run. No, he says, you stay here. How long are we going to stay here until the Holy Spirit is poured out? He didn't say how long. It became Pentecost when he figured out the Feast of the Pentecost was in, was in Jerusalem. That, that was a, a, a celebration from when Moses got the uh, law from God on Mount Sinai. And it was 50 days since they left Egypt. So the Passover, 50 days of Passover, became Pentecost. Pentecost means 50. Well, again, here's 50 days after a celebration of Passover. Jesus is tarrying in Jerusalem, be in this right place at the right time. He said, because I'm going to, God's going to pour out my spirit upon you. Now, Jesus had already ascended. This is after the ascension. So they're in a place for 10 days praying, not knowing what they're praying for, not knowing what it looks like, but they stayed there because Jesus said so. And the geographical location was this important. 
was that God took and he shook the city. Uh, the people that gathered around outside, you know, you, you read the book of Acts chapter 2, the people that gathered around outside, come on, they didn't gather around because they heard a bunch of people speaking in tongues. That would be like going to Miami or downtown Key West and gathering when you hear the Spanish language being spoken. <laughs> Nobody's going to gather to hear Spanish. Nobody's going to, or any German or any other language. Nobody's going to gather in these towns because they heard somebody else's language. Well, J Jerusalem was an international city. Nobody's going to gather Jerusalem because they heard somebody speak a foreign language. <laughs> but they did. If you look, if you read the scriptures, what happened before that was a thundering that shook the city. When God poured out His Spirit, He poured out upon Jerusalem. Why? Because location, geographical location mattered. When God led his people into the promised land, that land was specifically there. It wasn't wherever they wanted it to be. It wasn't wherever it was convenient. It was exactly where God called them to be. So geographical location was very important. I started telling you about how I got to Key West. Well, this is how I got to Key West, because geographical location was important. I realized one day I was in the wrong geographical location. Not because it was unsuccessful, not because we didn't have things going on, not because we, we, we couldn't pastor, not because the people in Boynton Beach didn't want to hear, hear the gospel. No. Let me tell you something. You can start a church any place in the world and it's needed. So it isn't basically a need. I mean, God doesn't plant us in particular places because he needs us. God doesn't need anything. Amen? He, gets, he chooses to co-labor with us, but God doesn't have any needs. He doesn't have any lack of deficiencies. We do. He doesn't. <laughs> so, but anyway, so, so th these, these are the things. But they were in the, at the day of Pentecost, it was poured out, and, and his spirit was poured out. They didn't know what to expect, but they just did what the Spirit of the Lord said. They just obeyed the Lord. It doesn't matter what or where or what we think. I want to, I want to establish that. But the, when Christ asks us, there has to be a sacrifice made, but that sacrifice is never made in vain. How many know that changed not only their life, but it empowered them with the power that Christ talked about? Because before that, they had the authority, but they never had the power. There's a difference between God's authority and God's power. You can walk in, you can quote God's word and the authority beyond the word. Amen. But it takes an encounter with God to have the power. The miraculous power takes an encounter, not just, a, not just simply uh, uh, reading something or praying something or just believing something. Well, we're believers. We're supposed to believe. Hello. But, you know, the fact is, no, there's, there's uh, an encounter with God that brings empowerment. I was looking at this, I was thinking about this this week, this, this story. How many remember Jesus went to John the Baptist to be baptized? And, uh, the, and John was baptizing people in preparation for the coming Messiah. And, and, and he, he, said to, he, said, he said, John, he should baptize me. He says, I, I need to be baptized of you. My baptism isn't worthy. He said, I need to be baptized of you. He said, not me baptize. No, he said, baptize me because it's written. And of course, I shared that it was the same Greek word that where God opened up the graves, he rent the rocks, was the same Greek word to tear open the heavens. He just didn't puff a bunch of clouds out of the way, but actually the heavens were tore open. What had happened? Because the sin of Adam had closed up everything, and this became Satan's domain and his influence. But when Christ stepped in that water, and when he came up out of the water, God 
ripped open the heavens with an audible voice that everyone could hear. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Up until that time, everything seemed impossible. Amen? But the sacrifice of Christ, John the Baptist was called by Jesus the greatest of all the prophets that ever lived. That's talking about Elijah, that's talking about Elisha, that's talking about Isaiah, Jeremiah, you name it. He was the greatest of all the prophets. And then Jesus said this. He said, he said but John the Baptist will be the least in the kingdom of God. Why? Because of the empowerment that came. See, Christ had the authority. The word of God had the authority. He had the authority to stand there. He gave John the authority to baptize him, but the empowerment was something different. The empowerment is what, excuse me, what's been promised through his word all those centuries, all those years. I shared with you last week in great detail about the temple and and, and the tabernacle, what what the things meant, the, the mercy seat, all the things, the blood, how it pointed to Christ. Well, think about this. The most important thing that we have available to us is God's word because Jesus said in the book of John that his word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the word and the word is Jesus. Are you here? Okay, praise the Lord. So the most important thing that we can engage into is is the word of God. Let let, let me give you some scripture this morning. Uh, he, said, he says this, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 through 20. Go therefore, uh, make disciples of every nation, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus says this, he says, teach them to observe all the things that I've commanded you. What was that? The word. <clears throat> he says, lo, I'm with you, even to the ends of the earth, amen. Mark chapter 16, verse 15 through 18, he says, go into all the world, preach the gospel, every creature. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he who does not believe shall be condemned. And these signs shall follow those who believe in my name. They shall cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. They will do any deadly thing. It will it by no means hurt them. They'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. <clears throat> Are you here? What was that? The plan? Preach the gospel. What is the gospel? The word of God. Amen? Somebody said, I, I heard this, and I, and I agree with this, but I, I want to put another twist on it. Can, can I do that? The word gospel. If, we, if I asked you the definition of the word gospel, what would, what would you give me? You say, well, the gospel is good news. How many say it's good news? You think it's all good news? It's not for the devil. I was thinking about that this week. I just wanted to spring that on you. Praise the Lord. <laughs> It's good news for those that want to be free. It's good news that want a, want a life that's different from what they're leaving. It's good news. But it's not good news for everybody. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We don't get to judge. We don't get to separate. But the fact is, 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 is the gospel does change and transform. Where does the gospel come from? We're talking about the word of God going forth and actually changing our life. No wonder the, John put it this way. He says, the word, that's Jesus. He says, that's it. That is the word of God that became flesh and dwelt among us. In other words, he came with the authority of God. Are you here? Then he left, he ascended, and what did he give after that? He gave the power. Two baptisms, one of water, the other of fire. Because there's the authority and then there's the power. And the word in the Greek is dudamis. Dynamite, what do you say? 
It's explosive. <laughs> but the dunamis power is the power of God. We possess both of those things. Not only can we walk in the authority that Christ has given us, he's also promised us the power from on high. So basically, we have within ourselves as Christians, I'm talking about us as Christians, okay, as Christians, we have been given the right to call those things down as they are in heaven, to call them here on the earth. Matter of fact, that covers the Lord's, what we call the Lord's Prayer. I don't like that term, Lord's Prayer, because the Lord didn't really pray that prayer because he had no trespasses. <laughs> you know, forgive your trespasses, you forget those. Anyway, God didn't have any, but he was sharing, he was, he was saying, this is what, what it's like. He says, on earth as it is in heaven. Not in heaven as it is on earth. Get it right. In heaven, on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? So if there's no sickness or disease that dominates heaven, then sickness and disease cannot dominate here. Hey, it's here, but it can't dominate. I got news for you. And it doesn't even make its way there. <laughs> so every time we get a chance to speak the word of God, not only does the authority go forth, but the power also to cause it to manifest here in the physical that we can see. So let me get run it down. If we're praying for people, I can pray with the authority of Christ and the authority of his word and lay my hands on it. But then what, what, what's required to change manifestation, change things in the physical, is the power of God to come upon that person to change the circumstances. Amen? Amen? So basically, it's two things running in tandem, and God gave us both of those things. And he said, here, go out and change some things. But this is, the, this is the scripture I like. Right here in Luke chapter 24, verse 45. It's the last chapter of Luke. But in verse 45, and it says this, and he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. So we have comprehension. Why do we need comprehension? Because again, the word becomes central location, a central place. It's the word of God, the spoken word of God. Uh, the Greek word rhema is what's spoken. The Greek word logos is what's written. So we have two forms of the same word. We take the written word, but then when we take that written word off the page and begin to speak it forth, we're not only speaking in the authority, but now we're aligning with the power of God to come and change the circumstances around us. So let me get back to why we're still here. I mean, you hear me say that a lot. Why are we still here? I mean, I'm a Christian. I mean, I got born again back in 1976. I mean, I've I, I, been following Christ ever since and, and, and everything else. So how come I'm still here? Why wouldn't it, wouldn't it be safer for God just to rapture us all out of here? No, because we still have a job to do. It isn't about us leaving and being in comfort. It's about us co-laboring with God, co-laboring, laboring together, and him working through us and allowing him to work through us, being where he's called us to be, doing what he's called us to do, and becoming what he called us to become. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. Well, that's kind of where I'm going this morning. Is that okay? Uh, praise the Lord. Well, it's not like you get a vote, but anyway. But <laughs> so I thought, got look at this word called hope. Of course, I read the scriptures and I get hope in the scriptures. I, I, I see what, what God is saying. And, and if we look at circumstances around us, a lot of times they're not encouraging circumstances for anybody, especially a pastor in these day, the days of stuff we live in. We're watching our country decline in, it, in, it, in its culture and so on and so forth. But the thing is, is we can't sit around as a church and complain about it 
Because God has called us. We're the only entity in the earth that's powerful enough to change it. Not to what we want to see, not to what we think is the perfect uh, uh, Mecca, but what God wants to see. Amen? Amen. We see what happens when man does his thing. We got a whole history of that (laughs) from the beginning of time when man was left to his devices, Uh, starting with Adam. (laughs) Amen? And then he blamed a woman. He says, this woman you gave me. It didn't float with God. It didn't float with God because it took two. And Satan knew it took two. Amen? All right, well, that's another. Let me, let me get back on the thing. So hope, what is this thing called hope? This is something that God gives us and plants in our heart. Christians should be the most hopeful people on the planet. What is hope? Hope in its, in its basic generic uh, terminology in the scriptures, Hebrew and Greek, basically hope is this. Hope is a joyful expectation. So if you have hope, you have a joyful expectation of something coming. Oh, I shared, Eric, he had a joyful expectation of I'm mowing these lawns and I'm getting these lawns and I'm getting money so I can be a scuba diver. So while he's mowing the lawns, guess what he's thinking about? He's thinking about scuba diving, watching the fish and all this other stuff and, and, and sport diet I still enjoy today. As a matter of fact, we were just out diving uh, on a shipwreck, Vandenberg, just this week. Um, when was it? Friday. 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 Yeah, we went Friday. And um, so we're out there. And I, I, I think about it. If I could invent something taken from the scuba diver industry, this is what it would be. Scuba divers use a dive computer. Okay? Most dive computers, not mine. Uh, I silenced all mine because I don't like beeping underwater. But anyway, uh, but uh, scuba divers have dive, and it, and it will beep for various reasons. Uh, one of them beeps if you stay down too deep too long. That's a warning sign you could be endangering your life. So here's, here's, my, here's my idea for an invention, that we have a, a, a wristwatch or some kind of thing we can wear on our wrist, and as soon as we spend too much time listening to the world or, or, or in the world, it goes <laughs> like this, and we'll just kind of you know, and say, tell you, now it's time to come in, get your Bible, go to church, let's get cleaned up. Remember I said there was... Two, two elements, There's a brazen, there was the altar of, 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 uh, for the sacrifice, the blood sacrifice, and then there was a brazen lever. Two things, one was for redemption, the other was for cleansing. Well, we still need that cleansing sometimes when we listen to the garbage of the world, so I'm going to invent that. <laughs> but uh, I was trying to think, should, should it be electric shock or should it be a vibration or should it just be a beep, you know? Well, beep, you'll ignore it. Huh? We were laughing. I was talking to Hansie before the service. And we were talking about our new car. We got a new car. And you drive it down the road. And what is kind of neat, it's got this lane control thing. So I just, uh, I, brand new, I just, you know, the car's got five miles on it. I'm driving up the keys. And, and uh, I'm just sitting there. I said, let's see how this thing works. So I build up the speed. And of course, I got my heads up display. It's got a hood. In it. Oh, it's really cool. Anyway, comes up there and it shows me the car and it shows me the lane. So I just let go of the steering wheel. And all of a sudden, the car starts to rear over to the left. It no sooner gets the line on it, and it 
pulls itself back. I've got my hands free like this. So I just let it go. And it went over to the other side. It kind of drifted that side. And it went back the other way. Steve ran down, down the thin lane. Never, never crossed over the line or anything. You say, and I did that about three or four times. Finally, a message comes up on the thing. Put your hands on the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, I'm supposed to be. It's not, it's not a self-driving car. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Anyway, so I wonder if, if, if we could have something like that, you know. <laughs> Get out of the world. You spend too much time in the world. Get back in the church. Start praising God right where you're at. Cleanse yourself. I was, we were diving Friday, and there was a fella, and I knew exactly what happened. He went into the water before we did, and we're doing deep dives, so you, you really have to keep it on your computer. I carry two of them. And people ask me why you have two. I said, because I'm experienced, and they can fail. So I always have two, so that's how much I pay attention to it. And uh, we're coming up, Diane, I go in, we do a dive and look at my time. Time is good, we get back up on the line, we're coming up, we do a 15-foot safety stop, we're doing our safety stop, and there's a guy hanging on the line that went in before us. And he's still hanging on the line. And his computer's beeping, 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 beeping. <laughs> well, we're going down the transverse line, he's still there on the line. And uh, so we got back to the boat, I said, yeah, I says, uh, he's, he's down there, he's decompressing. He, he violated his computer, and now he has to stay longer. If we had the same thing, you violated your time in the world. Now you will spend extra time in church. <laughs> Just a pastor's pipe dream. No, God's not going to do that. <laughs> anyway, you know, yeah, you violated. You decompressed. I'm sorry. You got to decompress. Now you're, now you're Pre compressed. Now you got to decompress. You get the bends. I mean, you know, air bubbles in your bloodstream. That is ugly. No, you you got to decompress. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> Hallelujah. <laughs> I know I got to stop thinking. Amen. <laughs> Sacrifices have the promise of more something more valuable that we make the, that sacrifice for. Hope is what feeds that sacrifice. A person who is hopeless sees no need. And they see no need for obedience. They see no need for service. That's hopelessness. So as hope, we see what, that, uh, that Christ is, will, will come through. I mean, it, it is absolutely it. But it, and it's, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18 says this. Paul writes it this way. He said, the eyes of your understanding be enlightened that you may know the hope of his calling. The hope of his calling. And what are the riches and the glory of the inheritance of the saints? Jeremiah 29, 11. You all know this one. This is the one you put bumper stickers and, and refrigerator stickers on. on the, Jeremiah 29, 11, right? It says, this is God speaking. He says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you hope in the future. He knows the thoughts that he thinks about you, but do you know the thoughts that he thinks about you? <laughs> because it's going to take more than just reading this. Okay, what does that mean? Thoughts for hope in the future. God has given promises, over 8,000 of them in his word, to give you a future. Your promises are in the, a lot of your promises are in the future. So basically, you have a future because he's given you promises for that. Can I say it that way this morning? Praise the Lord. So I want to bring you to the next thing I want to talk about. We okay? We all right? All right. Praise the Lord. I want to, I want to share that with you. Uh, but the fact is... I, this is how we're praying. I, I, when we get back to the Word of God, I believe the Word of God is first place. This will come up with the name of our church, Covenant Word Church. 
not world as some people want to spell it, but word church. Why? Because the word becomes the key most principal thing. With Jesus is that word that became flesh and dwelt among us. When we confess the word, speak the word, when we go behold the word, study the word, we are learning about Christ, but we're also initiating the power that he's put in behind us. Okay, it already has the authority. Satan has no authority. He's the father of lies. Lies has no authority to it at all unless we, with the authority, go ahead and choose to believe or act upon that lie, then we just empowered the liar. Okay, so this, this is what we're talking about. So let, let, me, let me move on because I'm, I won't get stuck right there because I, I, I got over in Numbers chapter 13 uh, this week and I was studying. And here, I'll, I'll back it up real quick for you or, or just bring up the speed. How many know that God, from the Passover, he brought them out of Egypt where they were slaves? We all know the, the plagues and the ten plagues about, uh, I saw a funny thing on, on uh, Facebook. Uh, here's Pharaoh sitting in the doctor's office in a cartoon, and he's got all these spots all over me in the boils. And the doctor comes out with his clipboard. He says, I got a total cure for you. He said, here's a cure. Let him go. <laughs> no, we're not going to do that. We're going to be belligerent. We're going to hang on to him. But anyway, so the... Passover is, is the uh, Israelis coming out of Egypt where they were slaves, right? Now, when Joseph first set it up with Pharaoh, Joseph had favor with Pharaoh. Uh, matter of fact, he got, uh, Pharaoh gave him a piece of land in Egypt. It was their land. It was, it was called the land of Goshen. And as long as Joseph was alive, the Israels did very well in, in Egypt, Okay. But as soon as Joseph died, Israel still kept on increasing in population. So the Pharaoh felt threatened because of the increase in population. And guess what he started doing next? Taking the firstborn or taking the born male babies from the Israelites and killing them and throwing them in the Nile. So we had murderous things going on with our next generation because he was trying to control the population because of his own fears. Are you here? Yeah. Okay, this was the next generation of pharaohs. So God says, he said, I'm going to set my people free. So basically Moses comes back. You know the whole story. Moses comes back and he announces to the people, God's going to set you free. He's going to deliver you from Egypt. And he's going to take you to a land that he's promised. Now, how many know that land? I shared this a little bit last Sunday. You remember there was a spot, a certain spot, where the temple had to be built and the altar had to be built. Why was that spot? What was about that spot? Because of Abraham was willing to sacrifice Isaac. Because Abraham, it does say in Hebrews, he believed in resurrection. He believed if he had to go through it, God would raise him from the dead. He believed in resurrection. So because he was willing to do that in covenant, God says, I am obligated to follow that. He said, I'll follow that with my firstborn son, but, I'm a, but he will die. And when he dies, it'll be redemption. But it was that spot. Remember that geographical location? It was very important. Now, we're in Egypt under terrific conditions as slaves. But God wants to bring us to a promised land. But before we get to the promised land, we have to go through miles and miles of wilderness. But it's okay because God's going to supply us everything we need. So guess what? These people, about two million of them, saw every morning, they saw the miracle of God firsthand. They participated in the miracle of God when he dropped manna from heaven and kept them fed. The clothes didn't wear out. Can you imagine that? Amazon would go out of business. 
Shoes don't wear out, clothes don't wear out. They just, if you get bigger, you know, either way, up, whatever, the clothes just grow with you. It was miraculous. Every day we saw miracles. Every day we got up, God supplied everything we needed. Isn't this a great place to be? No, not as far as God is concerned. It was not a great place to be. It was only the place you had to be for the time. God was looking to build a nation. <laughs> Are you here? <laughs> Say, well, is he looking to build a nation today? Yes. It's called the kingdom of God. Jesus spoke extensively about it. And we serve the king, which is who? We bow uh, on Sunday morning, we bow to the king. And, oh, I do every day. I mean, get up. We bow to the king. Who's the king we bow to? Who's the king we yield our stubbornness to? King Jesus. I mean, the world sees him still as a savior, or they'll see him at Christmas time as, as a baby in a manger. They see him, they see him on the cross, as, as, as some, some don't take him down from the cross, but that's not Jesus today. Jesus today, right now, in, in 2023, right now, the year we're in, Jesus is in heaven, and he is king. He is king, and he is Lord. And he's king and Lord over his people, but you have to be his people to be counted in on that. Not all people, just his people. Amen? Amen? All right, so we got that straight. So here, what happens is God says to Moses, he says, I want you to send some people, a representative, somebody who has power in these tribes. There's 12 tribes. You can look at the flags if you want to know what they are. Uh, we have them posted in, in the sanctuary uh, for teaching things or whatever. But we, he, says, he says, I want to have a, a representative from each tribe, okay, but not just any old representative. I want you to tell you the leaders of each tribe. Put them together. you got 12 spies. You go to Kadesh Barnea. He says, and you from Kadesh Barnea, which is like a kind of an oasis, another nice place to be. And so, so, so I, I never did get to Kadesh Barnea. I had plans to do it one time. We didn't, the time didn't let me. Uh, the last time I was in Israel, I, was gonna, I told my brother-in-law, I said, I want to go to Kadesh Barnea. Oh, yeah, it's right over here. So he, <laughs> but I didn't get a chance to go to Kadesh. But in Moses' time, it was, an, it was like, it was nice. There was water there. There was everything they needed. You really didn't have to leave Kadesh Barnea, but it was on the edge of the promised land that God promised them. But God says in uh, Numbers 13, 1, he told Moses, you send out the 12 spies. So who the 12 spies idea was God's idea. So Moses had to follow what God had said to do. God's command, send out the spies. Then what was the purpose of the spies? Now, all of them got together. Moses told him, he says, you got 40 days, the magical 40 days. He got 40 days. He said, but you go out and spy out the entire land. He said, come back with a report. So they did. They spent 40 days. It's more than a month. So they went all around Israel, all around places. They had a, a, a mapped out area that God had promised Abraham, this is your land. Now this goes back generations. So whoever's living there now is living on land, as far as God was concerned, they do not own. They're living there, they're building it, but as far as God is concerned... They do not own because he promised it to Abraham and his descendants, and these are his descendants. Now, you see, the key to being a descendant of a covenant, when a covenant goes more than one generation, the key to, to, to becoming that heir to that covenant is you have to accept it. So when they accepted to come out of Egypt, they accepted the covenant. When they accepted to take a spy from each 
tribe and sent out, they accepted the covenant because the, 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 the 12 tribes itself was part of the covenant that God had promised Abraham. This was a seed that is going to be so uh, uh, magnificent you can't count the grains of sand on the beach of the stars in the sky. This is how they're going to be. That was the promise. As long as they followed that, they didn't break covenant. They, and God was obligated to do what he said he's going to do. So this is what they had. So they go ahead and they bring the spies together. You know what happens. They come back. I don't see any place in the scriptures where they intended to go out and lie about anything. I don't see any place in the scriptures to where they were all seeking fear. None of them were seeking fear. They were seeking wisdom. Say, yes, this is what we do. We go ahead, we go through the promised land. I can see why God is doing this. He's doing this because we're about ready to take over the land that God has given us. This is our rights. We have nothing out here in the wilderness, and this is our land. So we're going to take it over. God has promised this to us. Now, this is the same God who dropped manna down this morning, the morning before that, the morning before that. This is one year, two and a half months of watching miracles. One year, two and a half months, according to the studies I found on the internet. One year, two and a half months, they're seeing every single day the miracle of God and the hand of God working on them. So they're, so they're just starting into their journey. journey. Think about this. They'll spend the next 40 years in the wilderness stuck until they die. When they could have had the promise of God in one year, two and a half months. But because they let fear take over, they never got a hold of what God had promised. Except for two men. Amen? That gets another thing. Uh, Joshua and, and, and Caleb. I read this story. I know Joshua and Caleb, and I know this story by heart. I read it so many times. And God says, he says, oh, yeah, what tribes do they come from? Okay, it's easy. I only got two to think about. Okay, so Caleb, he come from Judah. All right, tribe of Judah. We're Judah back there in the, co- in the corner, green flag. And what, I said, what about Joshua? Hmm, spelled a little different in the Bible. But yeah, Ephraim. Does anybody know about Manasseh and Ephraim? I have a message on that, but Manasseh and Ephraim is what we call the cross-handed blessing. Do you remember when Joseph, now Manasseh was the older brother of Ephraim, the older brothers, and they're both of them belonged to Joseph, uh, Joseph's sons from a Gentile wife, by the way. <laughs> oh, that's another story. Another, another, but anyway, uh, um, Joseph sets these two men, Jacob is about ready to pass on, but he says, he says, bless my sons before you go. And so he says, okay. So Joseph does what every Jew would do. He takes the oldest son and puts it on the right hand of, of Jacob and, and, and Ephraim on the left hand. He says, okay. He says, just reach out and just bless them. So he reaches out and he does this. He crosses his hands. <laughs> Why? It's believed the right hand has a stronger blessing. Remember I told you about the priest when they, when they, when they sacrificed himself. It was the right ear, the right thumb, and the right big toe. The right side. That's, when Jesus ascended to heaven, he sat at what, what side of the Father? The right hand side. Why? The side of authority, the side of power, the side of, 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 of complaint. Well, this is what it was. Who was one of the spies that came back? Was Joshua? What tribe did he come from? Ephraim, he was, he was one of the respects of the cross-handed blessing. 
Because remember, Joseph said, no, 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 you're getting this wrong. He said, in, in essence, he was saying, shut up, boy, I know what I'm doing. And he did it anyway, because God told him, he says, cross-handed blessings. Ephraim became the stronger warlike tribe and became, became ready. So Joshua had no problem looking at these giants. They all saw the giants. Moses did require one thing. He said, you bring back a sample of the fruits in that land. And they got a thing of grapes. They had to have two men carry it on a pole. So here's the grapes. You see the fruits? You see the fruits? You see that? Then what happened? Okay, Joshua said, this is a done deal, man. God, this is set up by God. Let's go in and take it. Caleb, same thing. Let's go get this place. But then the other 10 come and said, no, there are giants, sons of Anak, which were big giants. By the way, <laughs> side note, when Caleb finally did get into the promised land, do you know what land he asked for in the promised land? A mountain. He says, give me that mountain where Arbaugh is. Arbaugh, you know who Arbaugh was? He was one of the guys that wasn't thrown out. And he says, give me that mountain. He says, the biggest, now this was supposed to be the old guy. The old guy. Give me the biggest, toughest, strongest. It's a mountain, so that tells you something else about this guy. I'm gonna, give me the mountain of giants. I'm gonna kick some booty, I want that mountain. Did Moses, are, are, didn't I serve Moses? Come on, Joshua, did I not serve him? Did my eyesight not fail me or my strength leave my body? He said, did I not, did I not serve? He says, you did. He says, then give me my mountain. Joshua said, it's yours, go get it. And he did, he kicked them giants out, he killed them, it became Caleb's mountain. <clears throat> Some retirement home, hallelujah. <laughs> They're walking around for 40 years because of disobedience and because of fear. Fear, if you're not careful, fear will masquerade itself as wisdom. It will, it's a fake wisdom. It's not wisdom. It wasn't wise. Because they, they saw all the, the giants. Did Joshua and Caleb not see the giants? Of course he did. I just told you, jo Caleb, after they got into the promised land, he wanted that, that place where the giants were. Give me that. We'll kick them out of the land. Remember Goliath? He was a descendant of those people. A little seed that got escaped Caleb. <laughs> and that's how they got Goliath, 10 foot tall, giant. David didn't seem to be impressed by the size. Isn't it amazing? The wisdom of God doesn't make us impressed by how difficult the thing is. Matter of fact, the promises of God will almost always be met with some kind of difficulty. Always get over it. It will. Amen? Praise the Lord. But the common factor and the factor that makes all the difference, the whole thing that changes the game here, is God's presence and his intervention. Amen. When God comes in, they did not consider that God is fighting this battle for them. My only sad, the sad part about this is Joshua and Caleb had the faith of God, they had the trust in God, and they had to sit for 40 years and watch these other people die off. Because Moses said, or God said to Moses, get out of my way, I'm killing them. I'm killing them right now. He said, I'm getting rid of this people. And Moses steps in and says, remember your covenant with Abraham. All right. He says, I won't kill them. But they're not leaving this place. They'll stay and they'll die in this wilderness. Come on, we see people dying in spiritual wildernesses all day long. They won't change nothing. Could you see Joshua Caleb... Now, I did another internet study, and I found out Joshua was probably between the age of 69 and 79 years old 
when he finally got across the Jordan into the promised land. I started feeling better about myself. <laughs> I'm 71, so I started feeling pretty good. So I mean, Joshua was about my age when he saw this thing come to pass. And I'm thinking about things we're seeing today. You know, from Lighthouse Christian Academy, it seems like everything is on an uptick again. Amen. Amen? Of what God had promised us years and years ago. I haven't been 40 years, thank God, but I mean, I've been saved at least that long, but I mean, as far as in the ministry. But we've been here in Key West 33 years. Total ministry time would be uh, five, about 38 years, something like that. Amen? Well, totally. But right here in Key West is 33 years. will be this May. Next month will be 33 years in Key West. Amen? Amen? So I started feeling better about myself. So if you don't get anything out of this message, but pastor feeling better about myself, <laughs> celebrate with me anyway, will you please? But well, they sat around, and what they did, these old two old guys that were left, the AARP, <laughs> the AARP <laughs> servants of the Lord, were the ones that trained the next generation. They certainly didn't get it from their parents. So there is a training that can go on, that can skip a generation, that will receive the promise because God's promise is our future. 8,810 of them in the Bible are our future, what God promised us in some way, shape, or form. That's what it talks about us here. But listen, we can take promised land, and I can preach to you in, in, in a New Testament context on promised land. Not a physical land, but how many know today Israel is on that physical property? And, and they have a record number. It was, this year, I think, was a record number of people coming back to Israel from other places. This year was a record number year. A year. Now we always have people visiting back and forth, back and forth. I'm talking about going there and living there. So what's happening right now in Israel? There's a building out, building out, building out. Oh, you can't touch the Golan Heights. You can't touch Oh, baloney. They can touch whatever they want. Because they have the land marked out from the time of Moses. Before there was ever such a thing as a Palestinian Palestinian. Give me a break. That's a term that the Romans use for a ge geographical location. It's like saying I'm a North American. Yes, I'm a North American. Hallelujah. Big deal. <laughs> that Canada, United States, or Mexico. <laughs> See? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, let me go. Don't let me get off that. Praise the Lord. I'll be back on, on, on track here. See? He said it's a, a, a land flowing with milk and honey. But this is the part I want to talk about. Romans chapter 14, verse 9. They stood up, Joshua and Caleb stood up, and they said, Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. It was the element. In other words, it says, do not, do not rebel against the Lord. By, I, I never looked at this before, but I guess by not accepting a promise is rebellion against the Lord. If Christ has given us a promise of whatever it is, then we are obligated to go ahead and embrace that promise. Mm, praise the Lord. To embrace that promise. He says, only do not 
rebel against the Lord. They are our bread. That was a terminology used. Uh, in other words, uh, uh, they don't eat people. <laughs> but this is our bread. In other words, this is, this is our, uh, uh, the Lord prayer talks about our daily bread. Uh, uh, David, Psalms 23, the Lord prepares a table and misery in front of my enemies. In other words, regardless of what comes out around you, this is what the Lord has provided. He's provided our daily requirements to keep us alive. He said, and this, these people, this is daily bread. Because if you remember when Joshua went in there, those people had a choice. He didn't just evict everybody that was in the land that was Jewish or part of the tribes of Israel. No. Any tribe that wanted to stay there, remain with their possessions, that made peace with Israel was allowed to stay. It was only the warriors that wanted them killed, annihilated, and dead were the enemy. Praise the Lord. And it's like that today in, in, in Israel. You've got Arabs all over the place. There's more Arabs inside, I think, than outside. <laughs> but not every Arab is, is, is out to kill a Jew or an Israeli. And there's many Arabs that call themselves Israelis. They've joined in. Same thing in, in, in their times. So it wasn't the clear cut, well, anybody who's a Gentile, anybody who's not, is dead meat. No, it's not it at all. All they had to do is make peace. God always loves peace. And they could, they could keep on doing what they're doing. They did business with the Jewish people. Many of them uh, prospered because of the Jewish people. Because God made a nation. That nation was promised to Abraham. Yes, Amen? And he said, this is the place. Remember when Abraham left his house, left his father's house, and God says, to a place I'm going to show you, that was the place he's going to show you. How many promises do we have today from God? We don't know. We still read them. How many promises do we have that hits reach us on a day-to-day -day basis. But we're too afraid to step out in faith. I remember how scary it was when I first came to Key West. Then when I got here, it was even scarier. <laughs> there were giants in the land, man. That's okay. God's given us the word. And, and, and trust through this stuff. But it was scary because I left the place where God had blessed me, had prospered me, where I was getting fed with the word. I was, I was you know, under another pastor. And so forth. Now all of a sudden, I was sent out from that church to start a church up in Boynton Beach. And it just wasn't, it, it, everything looked right. We had a storefront church. I mean, it was going good. Had a bus in the parking lot. I mean, everything was going fine but it just didn't feel right. You know how something just isn't right? Pastors, if you're listening to me, you don't feel right, go back to God and let's ask, ask for some more instruction. Because from that, going there one night, just praying, 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 another pastor friend of mine was doing the same thing. We didn't coordinate. I didn't, wasn't talking to him. He called me up the next morning. He says, I don't know about you. He said, I'm in prayer all night last night. He said, ah, so I was too. Because I had to drive 15 miles from my house to the church. I said, I drove all up. I just stayed in the church. I said, to my wife, I said, don't even count on me coming home. I said, I'm just going to pray until I get an answer. He said, well, God's talking to me something about the keys. And when he said that, he said, it hit me in the heart. I said, not you, brother, me. <laughs> oh, thank God. That's what he said. He said, oh, thank God. He says, I'll help you. <laughs> I'll help you. Okay. Yeah, I can use all kinds of help because this is new territory for me. I said, but I'm going to pick up my family, everything, and just move it all. I owned a house a block from A1A in Deerfield Beach. All I had to do was walk across the road. I go scuba diving, <laughs> jump in the ocean. I mean, it was beautiful. So why here? Come here. It was not like that here. <laughs> And now if I go scuba dive, i got to get on a boat and travel six miles out into the ocean. <laughs> but I said, the fact is, what is it? God has his way. 
Amen. But the promises and the blessings would have stopped if I hadn't entered into what God had said. Amen. Do not rebel against the promises of God. Do not rebel against, to rebel against his promises is to rebel against him. There's people, I know pastors that have been showing that voice for years and it never winds up well. Not for pastors, not for anybody. It never comes out good. It just doesn't. God is going to have his way. He's called. He paid the price. You didn't. He has a right because he paid the price. If you're going to call yourself a Christian and receive Christ and receive the redemptive rights of a Christian, then he has a right. <laughs> Are you here this morning? It's okay because he's a good God and he's not going to put us in anything, any, any jeopardy. He's not looking to kill us. He's not looking to do punishment to us in any way, shape, or form. Amen? But it takes courage and it takes confidence to step out with the Lord. Joshua and Caleb literally prophesied to a nation to, not to rebel against the Lord by failing to enter in his promise. They literally were trying to do not, and of course they didn't listen. Amen? Praise the Lord. Amen? I got some other stuff. I got to stop because I ran out of time. But praise the Lord. Let me get something out of the message this morning. Amen? I want to see a whole bunch, bunch jumping in that Joshua Caleb group. <laughs> and no matter how old or how young you are, praise the Lord. I just felt good because I'm old. <laughs> I thought, wow, this is cool. Joshua, yeah, give me that mountain. Arbaugh. Arbaugh? You got to be kidding me. You know how big this guy is and how strong this guy is? Why do you think he's still there? Think about that. Out of all the people that they, that they were able to conquer, Joshua never did conquer Jerusalem, and that was the one place he needed. He wasn't able to do it. With the walls they had, the Jebusites, strong warriors, Joshua never was able to, 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 to take over Jerusalem. It took a man by the name of David killing a giant and hanging his head out there in front of the gates. You're next. Twelve years later when he was king, Jerusalem became the city of David. Amen. Now that was the geographical location and the spot for the crucifixion of Christ. Amen. It all had to line up because this is where Jesus was supposed to be. Why? Because Abraham brought his son there. Why? Because God told him to bring his son there. So that's where Jesus had to be crucified. That's where he had to pay the price in the same spot. I'm not sure of all the significance of that. I just know it's the same spot. It's, Mount, it's uh, Salem and Mount Moriah. Mount Moriah and Salem, the Jebusites turned the name of the city into Jerusalem. That's where it comes from. Amen? Amen. So, and they, they had these big strong walls. And David says, ah, there's a better way of whooping this city. I don't know why Joshua didn't think of it. My warrior Joshua. David says, ah, we'll go up through the tunnel, through the water source. And they woke up one morning, and all of a sudden, they're surrounded by Israelis. <laughs> David says, my city now. And they called it the city of David. But it's Jerusalem today. Praise the Lord. Let's stand to our feet. Thank you, Jesus. So, amen. So I guess I can conclude by saying this. The promises of God will guarantee a fight between the promise and fulfillment. Amen. 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 I'm okay with that. We've been fighting for years, and God has never let us down. Amen. He let us down. I come in sometimes, I look at the church, I look at the sanctuary, and I start thinking about, like I did, I got choked up last Sunday because God showed me all the miracles. From this place here, we've gone out to the nations. I went to five different continents. I preached the gospel on the mission field in five different continents. 
from right here, from Key West. From Key West, I'll be better than that, from Key West Airport. I mean, you have to take a connecting flight, but I mean, I don't like driving to Miami. I don't like Miami, I'm sorry, I just don't like it. It just, it's big city and it scares me. <laughs> but uh, no, I would, I would hop a shuttle flight, Key West, I would go to, I went to uh, West Africa, we went West Africa, Peru, Central America, South America, Chile, all the way down to southernmost Chile, and, and preach the gospel there, right from here. Why, because God has a promise. And if I listen to the promise, that's, I'm not saying if you listen to a promise, God's going to make you a globetrotter, and I'm not talking about that. But it was when I started the church in Key West, he said, this will be an international vision. Yes, sir, it will be. He said, that means you'll have to be prepared to go internationally, wherever I have you go. Oh, and and I, I was fine. I mean, I, I, got, I did good. God did miracles, and all kinds of stuff. Uh, it was miracles just get me some places. But my wife was the one who took the burden. She took the bur burden all those years. Of, well, I, was, I was traveling. So she was the one here holding down the fort. Because I said, one thing, God, I said, you gave me this first. This has to function the way it's supposed to function before I could go. And it always did. Amen. It always did. Praise, God. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Father God. Well, Lord, we thank you this morning for your word. With the word comes authority. By the spirit of God comes the power. Father, I pray this morning for these people, they possess both the authority of God and the power of God to do miracles, to lay on a hands, to whatever it is they needed the power for, to, to overcome strongholds in their own life and family in the name of Jesus. Lord, give these people the strength, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Let them be endued with the power from on high, and we thank you for it. Help us to understand better the things you want us to understand so that your abilities and, and, and our inabilities can be so contrast that we only can rely on yours. In the name of Jesus, we give you praise. We thank you for it. And everybody said? Amen. God bless you this morning. Hallelujah. You did good this Sunday right after Easter. 